Hello, my name is Joanna Bailey. And my name's Tom Boone. Welcome to the Simple Flying Podcast, where we will give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Now, let's get on with the show. Coming up in today's show, we find out why Airbus is pumping 1 billion euros into the A220 program and say au revoir to the first Air France A380 to be retired. Troubles continue for the Boeing 737 MAX. This time we discuss foreign objects in the fuel tank. What's happening with Aeroflot's first Airbus A350? And last but not least, an airline has to pay out compensation for a cancelled flight. To a dog. So, let us begin. So, let's begin at the beginning, Tom. Uh, And we're starting with the story that Airbus is looking to pump a billion euros into the A220 programme. So, the A220, which people know is formerly the um, C-Series, the programme was actually bought out by Airbus from Bombardier earlier this month. So, they now own, I think it's um, 75% of the A220 programme, and the other little part is owned by Canada. So, Bombardier is out of the commercial aviation game, which is a terrible shame for them, but clearly the direction they wanted to move in. And uh, speaking about this, the CEO of Airbus made the remark that over the course of the next 12 months, Airbus is looking to pump between 500 million and a billion euros into the program. I believe that's just about uh, over, just over a billion dollars for our US listeners. Um, So, exactly what they're looking to do with this billion is uh, not entirely clear. Obviously, it needs to be um, invested um, in a a wise way to make a difference to that program. Um, I think really what everybody's expecting is that Airbus is looking to ramp up the production capabilities, particularly um, at these US plants. So, they've got the the plant at Mirabel, um, which I believe can be scaled up to 10 aircraft a month. And then they've also got mobile in Alabama online, which uh, they're looking to get up to four aircraft per month by 2025. These might not sound like huge numbers. I mean, they're not when you compare them to, you know, the A320, which they pump out at some 45 to 50 aircraft a month. Um, But for the A220, it's a big step up. Um, They didn't actually say what their output level is at the moment, but over the course of 2019, they delivered an entirety of 48 aircraft. So, you know, simple, quick maths tells us that's about four a month. So, like I say, really small numbers. So, an uptick, I I believe they're targeting 2025 to get to max capacity at Mirabel and max capacity at Mobile, um, and that'll be 14 a month. So, it's a lot more than they're producing now, but it's still going to take them a really long time to get through that backlog. Um, I, I think there's some uh, 658 orders in total, of which a few have been delivered. So it's about 600 aircraft still to be delivered. And the new I mean, orders What do you keep make coming. of this, Tom? They do. That's right. Um, well, it's interesting because you've mentioned um, ramping up the production, but a lot of the, um, quite often on Simple Flying, we've explored the idea of whether you could possibly extend the um, fuselage of the A220 to maybe make the A220-500. So, do you think some of the money could go into um, making that a dr- reality? Making that a reality? 
I sure hope so. I absolutely do hope so. I mean, we've explored this potential several times, haven't we, kind of Mm. on paper. And uh, actually, the A220-500 as a concept has already been flight tested um, on paper, if you like. Mm. So when Bombardier originally developed the C-Series, they developed the the smaller one, the middle one. (laughs) And then they also developed in their computers a larger one, which is the equivalent of what will be the A220-500. So it's already been made to fly within a computer simulation. All the modeling's been done for it and it works. So really, we're just waiting on that announcement from Airbus and Mm. that would make this a very exciting year. And I think we'd see a flurry of more new orders as well. And I think we've already had some airlines say they would definitely be interested in that. Absolutely. Um, We spoke to Air Baltic CEO, um, had a lovely interview with him, actually, and he said that they would absolutely be interested um, in a stretched version of the A220. Now, as we know, Air Baltic is going over to becoming an all A220 airline. They'll be the first in the world to do that. Um, They've just got a couple of 737s hanging about, which I believe are due to be phased out by this summer. Um, So once they've gone, they will be the only A220 only airline in the world, I believe. Um, So, yeah, to add a bit of capacity on their most popular routes would make an awful lot of sense for them. Um, And I believe Air France as well would be potentially one of the ones at the front of the queue to put down some money for that new plane. Um, So perhaps we'll see an announcement at Farnborough. What do you reckon? That would be the place to do it this year, I believe. It really would. And we'll be there. So uh, we will be hanging on Airbus's every word, waiting for that all-important announcement. Mm. But thinking about the production capabilities, um, I was only going to mention that obviously there's a lot of A380 facilities (laughs) going spare right now. Yes. Uh, Would it make sense for Airbus to start building the A220 in Europe as well as in the US? Um, So I believe that they're actually going to use the A380 facilities already for, I think, A320 manufacturing because there's a backlog on that as well that is well known. I think they're sold out for five years now. Yeah. Um, And they already have the space there, so it makes sense um, to do that. And obviously the A320 is, and I'm not saying that the A220 is not popular, but the A320 is much more popular. In another league, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Oh, well, that will be interesting to see. So Mm. from one big investment to, well, possibly another really big and not very good investment. Do you want to tell us about what's going on with Air France and the A380? Yeah. So it seems like Air France is already um, ready to say au revoir to the A380 because it's now fully retired its first first A380. It's important to clarify this wasn't the first delivery, but it's the first one that they're um, scrapping. It was registered as Foxtrot Hotel Papa Juliet Bravo, and that was delivered on the 10th of February 2010. So this aircraft actually took its last commercial flight in 2019. It flew from Shanghai to Paris as Air France 111 on the 31st of December. Mm-hmm. And then it just hung around in Paris to say its goodbyes for a couple of days before flying to Dresden mm-hmm. on the 2nd of January. And here it was painted in its all-white livery, which kind of been hard given that the Air France livery is mostly white anyway. Um, 
And it's just been sort of sat there um, pottering about since then. And on the 20th of February, it was ferried to Knock in Ireland, where it will be dismantled. Um, and I saw the video of it landing there, and that was actually um, quite quite something to watch. Um, I wish I'd been there to see it. Um, Wasn't that their first A380 that had ever landed at that airport? Yeah, um, cool. which is an accolade that a lot of airports have had recently with high flies. <laughs> A380. Yeah. Um, they like to prove that it flies to airports that weren't really designed for it, don't they? <laughs> yeah. I do wonder whether it would actually get to the gate. or. Um, but anyway, that's the third A380 to uh, sort of start its retirement process. Um, the other two were the first two to be delivered, and they were to Singapore Airlines with the manufacturer serial number 003 and 004. And that was another interesting story that we covered last week because a company is actually taking um, panels of the fuselage of these aircraft and turning them into key rings. And it seemed to be really popular um, with the key rings from the first aircraft sold out in a couple of days. And they're now taking pre-orders from the second aircraft. So I think I'm going to have to get in there before they sell out as well. Yeah, absolutely. I was still kind of thinking, is it worth the, it was about 30 euros, wasn't it, mm. for the, the key ring? I was thinking, is it worth it? And then by the time I thought, yes, they were all gone, which was yeah. really frustrating. But and uh, then I think the problem is it's slightly less worth it for the second one because it's not yeah. the first. <laughs> oh, it is sad though to see mm. these wonderful aircraft you know many of them very young really yeah, for retirement years old. yeah and they're still being um next year is the last ones being produced for emirates uh, ana is taking their last one uh in a couple of months i believe so it's just it's really sad because we've not seen this with the 747 that's been going for 50 odd years yeah I think uh, I think Boeing did a very clever thing with the 747 in that they made it a superb cargo carrier as well as a people mover and uh, it was very easy to not only buy them as freighters, but also to convert passenger aircraft to freighters once they'd reached the end of their useful lives. So, yeah. I mean, we've, I, we've been talking about this a lot on Simple Flying over the last few months, but the, the 747 even now is still getting the odd few orders from companies, you know, big cargo carriers like UPS. And, uh, you know, the program is keeping going because of that, whereas mm. Airbus never did get into the kind of cargo side of the A380. And if they had... It could have been a completely different story. Mm. Well, I mean, they did have the orders, but none of them ever materialized in the end. And I, what I thought was interesting was looking through the history of uh, A380 orders in the terms of the manufacturer's serial numbers. There are still a lot of slots where the freight ones uh, were due to appear. So I think uh, maybe like 038, for example, don't quote me on that, might have been like a FedEx a380 and the slot still right. appears and it was just never made oh shame it really is a shame i i think as i said in one of my articles last week airbus was just a bit too late to the party mm. you know if we'd seen the a380 appearing around the same time as the 747 or even just slightly after they'd have caught that wave of airlines wanting to shift the maximum number of people for the furthest distance mm. and it would have worked but as it was it's come about at the time when airlines are thinking they want smaller planes to operate more frequencies 
Um, and it's just, yeah, it's a very sad time to be seeing the end of it. But on the upside, there are quite a lot of airlines that are very committed to flying their A380s for yes. very many years to come. So we're certainly not at the end of our opportunity to fly it. Yeah. Um, so while we're talking about sort of the A380 and the Boeing 737, should we carry on with a smaller Boeing, maybe the 737 MAX? Absolutely, Tom. So I mean, this is like news every week, but what's new this week? <laughs> it is. And we, we haven't discussed the 737 MAX on the podcast very frequently and, and certainly not in any detail because mm. I think everybody knows the story off by heart by now. It's been repeated so many times over the last 12 months. But the good news was that... Um, the uh, the FAA had announced uh, around a week ago that they were going to be ready to start flight testing the 737 MAX, which is a massive milestone on the road to bringing this aircraft back into service. Um, however, there has been another hiccup in that um, Boeing has found some what, what they're calling foreign object debris inside the fuel tanks of the 737 MAX. Um, now, they, they mentioned that they'd found some and that they would be carrying out voluntary inspections um, towards the end of last week. Well, over the weekend, some more news came to light that said they'd actually found this debris in at least two thirds of the, the MAXs that were waiting to be delivered. So that's um, more than 400 are sitting around Boeing's field um, in Seattle and, and various other storage places. Um, and these foreign objects, uh, things like rags, tools, metal shavings, bits and pieces that were kind of left over when they were actually producing the, the aircraft in their factory um, and have somehow found their way inside the fuel tanks. Now, this isn't good and it's not a good sign for Boeing um, because, you know, there could be a catastrophic event if some of those if that debris actually blocks the fuel supply to the engines in mid-flight, you know, and it's not a sign of good quality of workmanship, is it? It's not a sign of um, employees who are happy and taking care of what they're doing for the company. Um, so they're now expanding their inspections. I don't know exactly what that means. I think it just means that they're going to be looking with a fine-tooth comb through every single aircraft. Um, and they've also recommended to owners of 737 Maxes to check their own aircraft. So anybody who took delivery prior to the grounding will be looking to, to check for these foreign objects in their fuel tanks. Um, but haven't we heard this story before, Tom? I seem to recollect that the Dreamliners had a similar issue. It wasn't inside their fuel tanks, but there were foreign object debris inside kind of the walls of the aircraft. And there were, there were complaints from some of the Middle East airlines to say that they weren't happy with the quality of workmanship because they'd found bits of rags and tools and metal shavings. Um, and that kind of kicked off a whole separate inspection of the, um, the Boeing site, one of the Boeing sites where they make the Dreamliner. Um, and having researched this this morning, there has also been foreign object debris found in one of their military planes, an air refueling tanker called the, the KC-46, which is mm. based on a 767. Now, what is this telling us about Boeing? Is there some sort of mechanics union issue here where they're actually sabotaging the planes they're making? Or is it just pure incompetent management? I don't know. You would imagine that um, there would be really strict controls on this. I mean, I've visited a couple of airline hangars before and um, and also a couple of manufacturing places. And 
everywhere I've been, there's been a system where you've got to take a tool out and then put it back, and that tool is yeah. accounted for. So it's it's just beyond belief that like is it, I could, you can understand like metal shavings maybe as quality of work because yeah that could happen, but with a tool, you know, like if <laughs> if your hammer's missing. You think you might notice. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly next time you need a hammer, you might realise that uh, it's not where it should be. But, uh, well, you do hear stories about people waking up from operations with Mm. scissors and needles sewn inside them. So I guess it's a case of, uh, yeah, just one of those things. But the fact that they found this issue in two thirds of the fleet that's just sitting around waiting to be delivered. I mean, this is it's just more bad press for Boeing mm. that they really don't need right now. Um, undoubtedly, they're going to sort the, the problem out. They're going yeah. to resolve this issue. Um, and they've already said that there will be no impact on the timeline to return to service. So it's all kind of in the works. Things are going to be dealt with within the time frame that they've said. We're still looking at mid-year to get the aircraft back in the skies. But it's just making people doubt Boeing again. And they just don't need it right now, do they? No, not at all. So from a disaster at Boeing to maybe something a little bit happier, um, do you want to tell us what's going on with the Aeroflot A350, a hotly anticipated widebody? I do, because this is an airplane that I'm actually fascinated by. Um, I just love the A350 in general, but um, especially the Aeroflot one, it just seems like it would be a really interesting um, entry into service. Um, The aircraft has flown now. It took its first flight on the 3rd of February earlier this month, and the delivery is rapidly approaching. Um, I think I've seen some dates somewhere, but um, I'm not too sure on them, so we won't go into them. Um, However, it looks like they've scheduled the familiarization flights with the aircraft now, because we did know that on the 29th of March, the aircraft would be debuting to New York. However... It's now also in the schedule to fly to Dubai from the 21st to the 25th of March and the 27th and 28th of March. And Mm -hmm. it may seem a bit odd just to put um, an aircraft on a flight for a week. Um, It's not the first time we've seen this, though, with British Airways when they first took delivery of their A350 rather than just plunging it in the deep end. They scheduled it on Madrid for a month or two, and that gave everybody who had to work on it a chance to get used to it and if there's any little problems like oh you need to work out how this works or it's not a problem on a two-hour flight but if suddenly you're trying to work out how the oven works at the start of a 10-hour flight then (laughs) it's slightly more More serious yeah Um, if you can't feed those hungry passengers it would become a major issue (laughs) Um, so we haven't had any confirmation off of Aeroflot that this is the cause of the um the scheduling but um after that it will head to new york on the 29th of march beijing on the 1st of may and then london on the 1st of june which i'm looking forward to and finally Mm. singapore on the 25th of october and i think there's a couple more destinations in there that i haven't mentioned um so far um but yeah it's it'll be a fun aircraft. I love the A350 myself. Oh, me too. Um, <laughs> it's a great plane. It is. It is. And I hope I do get the chance to fly on this one because it looks 
we haven't seen the interior revealed officially yet, but there's been some unofficial concepts that have come out here and there. And I think I think it's one to watch out for. Mm, and it sounds like it's going to be appearing in enough locations for everyone to get a good look, really. Yeah, pretty much. Anyone who's keen anyway. So yeah. uh, do you have any idea if they're doing something like the loft or um, the club kitchen with that extra bit of space just as you go in through the door? I don't. Unfortunately, at the moment, Aeroflot is being very tight-lipped, which is understandable <laughs> because um, they want to keep the big reveal for the big day. Um, sure. So we will know sooner or later. It's just a waiting game. But then... It's, Maybe it's something super exciting and that's why they're being so covert about it. Quite possibly. I know with... Um, ANA's first A380, they did not uh, reveal the interior until they'd flown the aircraft to Japan, which was a bit of an upset for us in uh, Toulouse because we only got to look from outside, but it was still <laughs> wonderful to look at. At least you got to see it in person. I'm still yet to see the flying Honu in person. I'd love to. It looks mm. amazing. One of the best liveries in the sky, I'd say. I, I would agree. Definitely the orange one. <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. So from a shiny new plane to a shiny new precedent. Um, <laughs> I'll <laughs> I let you explain this one. Absolutely. I've got to tell everyone this story about the dog. So Jack is a dog, uh, Jack Russell looking sort of dog. And he was traveling with his folks from uh, Palermo in Italy to a place called Lampedusa Island, uh, which is just off the coast of Sicily um, with Danish air transport. It was just a short hop on an ATR-72, um, and this was in mid-January. However, a technical fault meant the aircraft couldn't fly, so the flight was entirely cancelled. Now, Jack's family, his mummy and daddy, were eligible for compensation under a rule called EU-261. Now, this says if your flight is cancelled or delayed over so many hours, you get a standard payment um, which is regardless of how much you paid for your ticket. So Jack's owners secured 250 euros, which is about $270 each for their flight. But Jack received nothing. Ah, poor doggy. Um, so obviously Jack was barking mad and decided <laughs> to follow this up. Um, now they paid 27 euros, about $29 for the ticket for the dog. Um, and as such, he actually is eligible under EU 261. So for the first time in history, the dog actually won compensation from Danish air transport under EU 261. I mean, this just opens up a whole new can of worms, doesn't it, Tom? I mean, I'm amazed that the dog managed to get it so easily when I've been trying to get it before and had to fight with airlines. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the, the, following the letter of the law, EU 261 states that the compensation element of this ruling applies to a passenger who is a ticket holder uh, sorry, a holder of a ticket or similar travel documents. It doesn't actually specify that the passenger has to be human. And as Jack did have a ticket bought and paid for, he was eligible for the compensation. So that's that really. Your dog can claim compensation if your flight's delayed or cancelled. Who knew? So the moral <laughs> of the story is to travel with a dog then, I guess. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he got a few extra bonios as a thank you for that. Awesome. Well... <laughs> have you got anything to add tom or i think it's just a crazy place now um i believe was it the president of the european regional airline association was calling the decision crazy 
Yeah, they thought it was mental. And uh, actually, the CEO of Danish Air Transport, a chap called Jesper Rungholm, he did admit that it was the dog was eligible, you know, following mm. the letter of the law. But he also said EU 261 is a serious disaster and seriously overdue for revision. And mm. I think an awful lot of European airlines would agree with him there. This is just getting beyond the point of silly. Yeah. <laughs> but fair enough. I mean, the dog definitely should have had his 27 euros refunded, but whether he should yeah. have got the full compensation pay- payment, I think that's just insane. Mm. We'll, we'll have to see. Maybe one day it will get changed. You never know. Okay, well, I think that's all we've got time for today. I really hope everyone's enjoyed this podcast. We'd welcome any feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening. Bye.